0: look at this text this morning, there is no doubt really the situation that's taking place in our text. Paul here, we've noticed this the last time we were in this text two weeks ago, Uh, but the Bible says that Paul here uh, is in a storm and he has put in that storm because of those that did not listen when God had spoken to him. Paul is on this ship as a prisoner. Of, as a As a prisoner, he's a prisoner, and he is being sent to Rome. He is standing here on this ship with certain other prisoners. Verse number one says, and so he's on this uh, ship because it was God's will for him to be there. God allowed him, uh, to, commissioned him to preach the gospel. Paul was allowed by God to share the gospel to a particular group of people to make his life. A life of sharing the gospel with those who need to be saved. And no doubt, by the way, that ought to be our life. Amen. That ought to be our ministry. That ought to be our existence. Sharing the truth of God with those who don't have it. Amen. So Paul's been commissioned by God and that is what he's doing here. And God's will put him on this boat. And yes, he was a prisoner, but God allowed that to happen. And I believe one of the reasons why God allowed that to happen is so He could give this word of counsel that we find here in Acts chapter number 27. As Paul gives the word of counsel that we find in verse number 10, uh, we find him speaking to this group. He is trying to save them a world of heartbreak. He's trying to save them physical uh, physical problems, physical hurt, physical damage to themselves and the boat that they're on. The Holy Spirit of God has spoken to Paul and He's let him know what is ahead for this ship. They are headed for a storm. They are headed for Eurocladon, a storm that was big enough that God even allowed it to be named. I mentioned this last time we were in this text, but America was not the first group of people that started naming our storms. We find it here in the Bible. Verse number 14 said it was a tempestuous wind called Eurocladon. So, this great wind, Paul saw before they ever sailed into this storm, the Holy Spirit of God allowed Paul to see that storm and to know that it was coming for them. And so what he tells them in verse number 10, we'll read the verse here in a minute, but in other words, what he's saying is, is we need to stay exactly where we are. There is safety exactly where we are. We do not need to advance because God has not told us to advance. But yet we see in the text that they did not listen to the Apostle Paul and they went into the storm because they did not listen to God's messenger as he gave the warning. Verse 10, he gives this warning. He said unto them, Paul said to them, Sirs, I perceive that Holy Ghost perception that God gave thee up. He said, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage. Not only of the landing and ship, but also of our lives. He said the ship's going to be damaged and our lives are in jeopardy If we move forward, verse number 11 says, Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. Paul had heard a word from God, he had heard a word from the master of the sea, and they chose rather to listen to the master of the ship than the message. From the master of the sea. God said. Paul said, "I'm speaking on behalf of God. God's letting me know this. God has shown me this, and they ignored the message that came from God, it came from a higher authority than this master of the sea. And we began to talk about this voyage that they went on. In verse number eleven, said nevertheless, despite the warning of Paul. He's received perception from God despite his warning that he shared with the people. Nevertheless, the centurion believed that physical master and owner of the ship, the one that was entrusted with guarding these prisoners, the centurion guard believed that uh, that ship captain, instead of believing the words that were spoken by Paul. And the Bible says at the end of verse number 13, the Bible said that they loosened fence, they sailed close. By a creep. They loosed the ship from their dock of safety anyway from where they were. They loosed it anyway despite the warning from God and from God's messenger. And by the way, I'll just say this. I believe that's happening all over our nation today yes, sir. Yes, sir. and all around the world. Right. We have a list back there on the wall of 30, 39 missionaries. If you have got that prayer list, we have 39 missionaries that we support. You know what they're doing all around the world, not just here in America. I'm standing here in Lexington, South Carolina, preaching a message of warning from the Word of God. But we've got mess we've got we've got messengers, missionaries all over the world that are declaring God's message of warning. Here they're preaching the gospel because people are headed to hell. They are preaching the truth of the Bible, teaching the Bible, discipling people in the things of God because people. Need need to know how to live their life and not to destroy the life and the testimony that God has given them even after salvation. That they're instructing people on what God's will is, what God's view is, what God's opinion is on situations according to the Word of God. And when you do that, you are entrusting, you are committing that truth to somebody else. Right? They're responsible for it. But those missionaries and this preacher cannot force what we preach on our people. I can't make you obey what I'm preaching. All I can do is give it to you and entrust you with it. And preach it from this pulpit to you. And hope that you will listen to what is said It's not because my opinion has anything with it. It's not because you listen to me because I'm somebody. I'm absolutely nobody. And by the way, if we may all be honest with ourselves, we're nobody. Amen. I thank God that Jesus Christ, the true somebody, came into this world to do something that saved a whole bunch of nobodies. Amen. Amen. To take us somewhere one of these days. Amen. I'm thankful for that. But you don't have to listen to me because I'm anybody. I I came from the same dust that you were created from. Amen. I, you know, I, I'm, the, I'm the same flesh you are. I'm not anybody just because I put a tie on, and I'm the pastor of this church. That title doesn't make me somebody. I do believe it makes me some. It makes me a preacher that you all listen to. Amen. And it makes me an authority in your life in this church. But I'm not nobody you have to listen to because of who I am. But guess what? You do have to listen to God because of who He is. Amen. Yes. Amen. Paul's not speaking on behalf of himself. He said, I perceive. And by the way, that perception can only come from God. He cannot know the future unless God revealed it to him. He said, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and with much damage. And he told him that and then what did he do? He entrusted it with him. You can be hurt if you want to. You can go through the storm if you want to. You can face the damage if you want to, but I'm warning you, and I'm giving you the opportunity to, to save yourself from a world of hurt. Amen. 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 Don't get mad when some preacher tells you that you're headed uh, when some preacher tells you you're headed uh, for a very, down a very dark, very uh, very wrong road. That is a preach to you the Bible. Right. Amen. Right. You can get mad at me if I come up to you and I tell you something I'm ugly about it. But when I'm preaching the Word of God to you and I'm preaching it right out of these black words and the red words of this King James Bible, you can't get mad at me. I'm just a messenger. Amen. I'm just a mailman delivering the mail. Amen. Paul was a mailman. He was delivering the mail. And they chose to go on their voyage anyway outside of the wheel and away from the counsel of God Almighty. And so we see this here that they went on a voluntary voyage. A a, a voyage of their own choosing outside of the will of God. And that's what we've been preaching on. A voyage that's voluntary. I gave you some words of introduction two Sunday mornings ago. We continued with the, the first thought about this voyage on Sunday night. How it is a deceptive voyage. The Bible says in the text that they listened Uh, to the master and the owner of the ship more than they did those things which were spoken by Paul. Why would they do that? Because he was supposed to be an expert of the seas. They listened to man's words more than they did God's man, the preacher's word, because what they saw physically made sense. They just heard that Paul said, "I this is what I perceive. This is what this is what God has told me." You know, the rest of the world, you know, it looks at us like we're crazy because we say we talk to God. That's right. right. Yes, Amen. Sir. You're right. Yeah. I think about the, and I, I'm not getting political this morning. I'm just saying uh, it was all over the news how uh, many on the left made fun of our vice president for the, this. They said, they said I understand." They, they said, "I understand them saying them talking to God." That's what the liberals said. But he said our, our, our vice president has mental issues because he says God speaks to him. Made, made, fu- made fun of him all over the national national news because he said that not only does he speak to God in prayer, but God has spoken to him. And you and I know God speaks to us through His Word. God speaks to right. us through the Spirit of God. Amen. I'm glad to know. I, I don't know what his audible voice sounds like, but I can tell you this. When God speaks to me, I can tell you it's Him. Yes, sir. Amen. I'm glad to know that. Yeah, man. Right. Amen. Amen. I was listening to Brother Joe Logan preach this morning. And he was talking about some things and rejoicing that, that God has spoken to him. And how clear that voice is when God speaks to him. And that was my first thought this morning. I said, man, if the news got a hold of that statement. God speaks to me. And then he, he had to call me. He said, raise your hand if you thank God that God has spoken to you. And I said, if they could turn that camera around the whole news and have that whole congregation and say so that is a bunch of nuts it's having kind of an acrobatist church amen no that's not a bunch of nuts that's just a bunch of saved people amen right. know the Lord and have a yeah. Lord. what kind of relationship is it if you can't just speak to that person but also have them speak to you one of the reasons why I know I have a relationship with my wife is not because I speak at her and speak to her all the but she speaks back that's part of our relationship amen Paul had heard from God. God had spoken to him. And they did not listen to God's voice because these lost Roman centurions that do not know the Lord and did not worship the Lord, they would not have understood much of what Paul had to say when he said, God has spoken to me. Much like the world that we live in when we say God has spoken to us. They'd much rather they much rather make decisions based on what they see, or rather what they do not see. They say, "Well, this man—that is that is that is piloting this ship. The man that is at the helm of this ship—he knows what the seas are like. He has made a life of sailing on the seas, and if he, the Bible said in verse number twelve, that he advised them to depart." He gave His advice based on what He saw in that place in that moment without knowing what was to come. And they said, well, if this expert will advise us, then we'll listen to Him instead of God's man. By the way, the world has a lot of advice for you. Amen. The world has a lot of things that they say is right for you, but what you need to do is hear the is listen to the one that truly knows what's right for you, and that's God Almighty. Amen. Right. Can I remind you what Proverbs fourteen twelve says? For the proverb, the writer of this proverb said, "There is a way which seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death." You know why they didn't die? We may look at this in coming weeks. You know why they physically didn't die? He said here. He said that they uh, that they would they would be with hurt and much damage, not only of the ship, but also of our lives. He's telling them you could lose your life. You know why? You read in this chapter they didn't mercy, right? Right. God had mercy on them, even though they chose to willfully go against what God said because they were deceived. This voyage, if you go on a voyage outside of the will of God, ignoring the warning of God, ignoring God's counsel, ignoring the preaching of God's Word, and you still go on the way that you're going, friend, you are going on a a voyage of deception, and there's people in this room that are going on the path that they're going on because they are deceived. Right, deceived by this world. Deceived by your relationship. Deceived by the devil coming at you and speaking to you words of deception. It is a deceptive voyage out of the will of God. What you think is right, if you don't listen to God, you don't have a clue what's right. You go on what you see. And the Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight. Amen. Not only is this a deceptive voyage, number two, this is a dangerous voyage. Look at verse number 9 with me. The Bible says in verse number 9, Now when much time was spent, and when sailing was now, what's that next word? Dangerous. Amen. Y'all can help me this morning. Because the fast was now already past, Paul admonished them. You know what what brought Paul to warn them? Was when he saw how dangerous it would be for them to go forward with the way that they were going, you know, one of the reasons why God puts in, and, and, and I'm not saying that I'm I don't, I'm not saying that when I preach something I know everything that's going on in somebody's life. I will say this: if I do know, I will preach on it. Amen. 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 I've heard a lot. I've heard a lot of people say, "Well, preacher, you ought to stay away from things that you know is going on in your congregation." Why? That's right. So I can be I can be someone who knows somebody is headed down a wrong road and not warn them what what kind of not just a preacher but what kind of man would I be what kind of Christian would I be if I knew somebody was headed down somewhere that was that would hurt them and was just struggling for them and it wasn't right and not even care enough to tell them the chances are if you are facing it and it's going on in your life chances are I probably need to bring it to the pulpit because there might be two or three others in here that are going through the same thing you are. Amen. There's times I preach on things and I don't know it's in your life. There's sometimes I I preach on things because I know that there's going to be some folks in here who are going to need it. This morning what I'm preaching, this message, this message came out of a study that I spent some time just in devotional reading. But when I read this text, God reminded me some of your situations. Amen. When I began preaching this, I promise you I was shooting at some of you. Amen. I hope you listen. Amen. Amen. Because guess where you're going? Not you're not just on a voyage that's deceptive. You're going down the roads you're going down and you think it's the right way, but you have your spiritual blinders on and you are absolutely deceived by the enemy and the world in your flesh. And I'm here this morning to try my best to take the blinders off for you. You may not be able to pull them off yourself, but maybe if I can just reach up and help pull them off and help you with that, you go in the right direction. Friend, it's all been worth it if you get some help. Amen. 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 I hope somebody in this church would love me enough to help me take blinders off of my eyes if I was deceived as well. Amen. That's what a church family is supposed to do. We preach that, we do not. We ought to bear one another's burdens. We ought to strengthen one another. We're supposed to support one another. Amen. But some of you, not only are on a deceptive voyage, you're on a dangerous voyage. You may not even realize how dangerous it is. These people in this text did not realize how dangerous just that one decision. I say, oh, well, what does that preacher know? What does Paul know? We don't know him. He's a prisoner anyway. We're not going to listen to him. I'm going to make my own choice. I'm going to chart my own course. Yeah. They didn't even realize how dangerous it was. Yep. I promise you when they began in verse number 14 to begin to sell upon that tempestuous wind. They began to sell upon that storm. and that They began to realize that we are in a mess. I bet you every one of them would have wished that they could have went back just a few moments before and said when that preacher told us what he perceived from God, I wish I would have listened. We would not be here. We would be safely where we were before. Yes, it would, there would still be those winds where they were, but at least they weren't sailing towards something greater than where they were. There was safety where there was. There's danger where they're headed. And for some of you, there's danger where you're headed. Amen. There's danger where you are and there's there's danger where the course of your life will take you if you'll stay exactly where you are in your relationship with the Lord. It is a dangerous voyage. Think about this, number one, I'd like to say that it is that it's danger. This the danger of this voyage is testified in our text. Notice what the Bible says there in verse number nine again. He said, And when sailing was now dangerous. The Bible said, God that said, uh, when, by the way, when we you read something in the Bible, yes, the book of Acts was written by Luke. But Luke may have been the penman, but Luke was not the author. Right. Amen. That's right. That's right. Paul Luke was the instrument that held the pen that wrote these words but he was not the author the Bible said that Peter wrote to us in his epistle he said holy men of God wrote as they were moved by the Spirit of God as they began to put that pen to that paper it was the Spirit of God that took a hold of their hand and moved them as they wrote the Scriptures Luke is the penman but the Holy Ghost of God God Himself is the author, and guess what? God said, He said sailing was dangerous then. Yes, he did. Yes, God said that it was dangerous. God's word said, God testified to the fact that it was dangerous for them to sail. And by the way, when God says something is dangerous, then you can rest assured it's dangerous. Yes, Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm. This voyage should remind us of the voyage that we're all in life. There's times along the course of our life where God will send us truth. You have the choice to receive it and dwell in safety, or reject it and go toward the danger. He said sailing was dangerous. Amen. God said God says for those who ignore His word and the counsel of those to declare His word that it is very dangerous. Can I say this this morning, please? I want to beg you, please do not sail away. When God says stay, you don't need to go any further until God directs the motion of your life. Let me tell you, when I was coming here as the pastor of this church, I'd already pastored for a little while in Maryland, and I was in an in-between spot. God called us home, and we were we were in an in-between. I, I didn't I didn't have a ministry. I, I mean, I was a called preacher, but I didn't have a ministry I was a part of every week. I didn't preach. Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. I was back. Uh, I was. I really was in a place that I wasn't even in as a young preacher. Uh, when I was. When I was a young preacher, uh, before I started past. I'm still a young preacher. But before I started pastoring, you put it that way. I know all of y'all. When I say that, y'all going to get it wrong. I'm 26 today. So yeah, I'm still young, at least for a little while. Amen. I've heard that old is always 20 years older than what you are. So. I guess I'll be all right for the rest of my life. Amen. And, uh, amen. My wife has been telling me all day how old I'm getting. Because she told me this morning, she said, I'll always be younger than you You know that. Amen. And so I'll be, an, I'll be an old man for the rest of my life, but I'll still feel young. Uh, I, had, I, had I had a preacher friend of mine one time. He, he was preaching. I'm going to get back to where I was, but let me just chase this rabbit real quick. I had a preacher friend of mine. Y'all, y'all will meet him in July. Uh, by, by the name of Brother Josh Montgomery, great preacher, and he pastors in North Carolina. That was the day I was listening to him preaching. Had a real bad head cold, and uh, he was still trying to preach through it. And uh, so he was coughing and hacking and, and all of that while he was preaching. Not hacking because he was preaching, just hacking because he was sick. And uh, he told him, he said, he said, I know. He said, I, he said, I know. I sound horrible, but he said, at least I look good. Praise the Lord. <laughs> so, uh, Amen. Amen. But before, before I I thought that was good. Amen. I told somebody about white the other day. I said, man, he sounds terrible, but he still looks good because he looks like his dad. Amen. Amen. I'm just playing. He looks a lot like his mom, that's why he looks good. Praise the Lord. But before I came here, I was in a place, we were in a place where I I was never in even before I started pastoring. Before I started pastoring, I preached somewhere every week. Uh, I had a nursing home ministry. I preached two times on Sunday morning before our Sunday morning service started at 11. Every single week. Some, some, every fifth Sunday, three times a week. Three times a Sunday. Three times that Sunday in that nursing home ministry that I, that I uh, had for five years before I started pastoring. Uh, I preached revivals. I preached meetings. I preached, preached youth meetings. I was preached in jails. I preached all the time. I had opportunities. People giving me opportunities to places to preach and places to travel and preach and different things. And so I, I preached all the time before I started pastoring. I followed God, went to that church, and uh, pastored there for six months and had the issues that we had there. We came home following the leadership of the Lord, and I was in an in I was in an in between place. I had never I had never been there before. I had never preached that little in my life I, because of the because of the situation and the situation that we went through. Me and my wife spent those, those several months before I came here uh, just in that transition trying to recruit, uh, re- recruit, recoup, trying to heal, trying to uh, get the strength that we needed and get the healing from God that we needed after going through that trial that we went through. And so during that time, I would never been there before. I had pastored, came home, and and we lived so far away. I couldn't really be a part of a lot of the ministries that I was a part of before. The nursing home ministry knew I had a new leader, but I knew that if I came in, those people who had knew me for five years and him for uh, six months, uh, as far as leading that ministry, they would want me to come back into that role. And I said, I can't even step foot in there because I don't want to hurt what he's doing. And so we were in a, we were in a weird place and, and so uh, we were excited to have somewhere to come but even though it was so strange in the place that we were, and we wanted so, bad, uh, to pa- I wanted so bad to pastor again and to have a church again and to, to have that ministry that I love. And by the way, I'm doing this not because I have to. God has called me to do this. But I'm doing this because I'm enjoying every minute of it. Amen. And this is what I wanted to do. This is what I love to do. This is what God called me to do. And he equipped me uh, to do. But I wanted that. For, with everything in me, I wanted to pastor again. But when this church came calling, I promise you, I did not jump just because of what it looked like. Mm-hmm. I'm t- what I'm preaching about is not moving until God says to move. Amen. Right. You don't sail until God tells you to sail. Good. You don't go into uncertainty unless God tells you to. I went to, I went to that first church completely uncertain of how things was going to be. I was excited because I was in the will of God. And I, I knew that no matter what I think, it will be okay because... This is God's will. And I stayed in that limbo area because I knew this is God's will. And I came here once I knew that it was God's will. But friend, if you don't know it's God's will, you need to stay put. Imagine if I would have came to this church and not. let me say this. Let me put it this way. Because I do know it was God's will for me to be here. I believe everybody in this church believes that it was God's will for me to be here. Imagine, and I thank God that it didn't work out this way. Thank God for Brother Caldwell's leadership and him following the Lord and knowing what the voice of God sounds like. Amen. But imagine if there was another man that came here. And his family was prettier than my family. Amen. (laughs) And he preached better than me. And he sang better than me. And they had more gifts and more talents than we did. And on the onset of it, it looked attractive. But it wasn't God's will. Imagine where this church would be today yeah. if God, if, if somebody had come in here yes, because they got a call and just that sight, that first sight said, man, this is a great preacher with a great family and great talents and can do. I know great preachers today that aren't pastoring. Preachers that can preach circles around me. People that are just... Just amazing men of God. They're not pastoring today <laughs> because God's not happy. He doesn't have them in the church. What if one of those great men, being greater than me, came, but it wasn't God's will? That's good, and they stepped in, good preaching. and you accepted them, and it wasn't God's will. Imagine the mess up it could have been. Yes, sir. Matt, right. Think about this year, and I'm not saying we accomplished great exploits, but I believe God has done a great work in this yes, last year. Right. Amen. 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 I believe mean, God's done something. That, 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 all the glory goes to God. I just, I just stood here and tried my best to preach. But God's done everything that He's done here this year. But imagine what we would have missed out on if we had missed God's will. We don't need to move unless God tells us to move in any direction for the church as individuals, as young people, as older people, as people who have been saved 10 minutes or 10 decades. We don't need to move until God says, to them. You know what got them in a storm? They moved when God had clearly told them not to move. I don't believe that God's gonna, I don't believe when God when it comes time to making a decision for His will, I don't believe God's gonna be silent in the matter. I don't believe God's gonna leave you to yourself when you really need to know which direction He'd have for you to go. And, and there are times you're praying, God, what will you have to do? And it seems like God's not saying anything. If it seems like God's not saying anything, then it could be that He's not saying anything and He don't even move until He does. But I, mean, I understand someone that makes a mistake because they, they got ahead of the will of God. I've seen that happen. Okay? I have seen that happen. But there's a different parallel when you are trying to do what you know is right uh, in in that in between you haven't heard anything. I understand that mistake. But it's a completely different ball game. God has spoken. And he has said no. And you've turned it into a yes. Amen. I think there's a lot of people that do that. That's dangerous ground for you. Yes, you to choose to willingly, voluntarily choose to, choose to go against what God says. To go against God's will. And He has clearly declared, It is not my will for you to go any further in this for you. It's not, it was not God's will for them to move. And they went anyway. That is dangerous. Right. I pray that nobody in this church will enter into the dangerous waters of a voluntary voyage. Out of the will of God. It is dangerous because it is testified in our text as dangerous. It's dangerous seen in the testimony of our text. But I believe also it's it's danger is testified. It, it's dangerous testified in our time. Not just in our text, but in our time. Think about the days that we're living in. Right. You want to talk about danger, a dangerous voyage? to determining is this God's will? Is this not God's will? Am I going to follow God or follow self in this day? These days are already dangerous without you adding disobedience to it. Can I remind you what the Bible says about the last days? Look look with me please at Second Timothy chapter number three. Second Timothy chapter number three. I'll mention these things and we'll be done this morning. I'm going to take my time with this series yes, sir. because I believe we need this. Amen. I'm, Amen. Telling, I, I, I'm, I'm almost tempted to not stop preaching this until I see the results that God wants us to see. Amen. Well, we'll pray. You pray for me that God will give us wisdom on that. Amen. 2 Timothy chapter number 3 and verse number 1. The Bible says, This know also. Man, what powerful words already. Yes, sir. He said, you need to know and be assured of this. This know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. Mm -hmm. Do you know what the primary definition of that word perilous is? Dangerous.
1: The Bible says
0: that the last days will be dangerous (coughs) times. Perilous times. Perilous times. Dangerous times. The last days are perilous days. These last days, you and I in 2019. I don't believe any of us would doubt that we're living in the last days. I believe the prophecies of Scripture declare that we're in the last days. I believe that I believe that the words of, of Paul and the other New Testament writers will teach us that we are in the last days. If you look at, I mean, you just you just go on in this text where the Bible says, "For men shall be lovers of them own selves." We're there. Yes, sir. These are descriptions of what the last days look like: covetous. We're there. Boasters, proud, blasphemers, all of you parents, you know it's the last days. Every time that kid looks up at you and says, No, I'm not doing that. The Bible said the last days they'll be disobedient to parents. In children, there's always been the flesh and throughout all generations, children have been disobedient to their parents. But this verse says it would be one of the identifying marks of the last days. In other words, the home and children would be known for their disobedience. Do you know the day that we've lived in where kids have been more disobedient to the the authorities in their lives? Have you ever known of a day where we've had more young people behind bars as soon as they can get old enough to go into the, into, uh, into the criminal justice system? I don't know if we've ever had as many 16-year-olds, 17-year-olds, 18-year-olds in prison than we have today. Yes, sir. Stories of children, I'm talking about children killing their families. You think about back in the 90s, I don't remember their names, but I all remember the story of the 11, I think it was an 11 and 12-year-old boy that. Stole their parents' guns and went into, went into their school and set up on a knoll somewhere and pulled the fire alarm so that all the kids in the school came out and they, they killed a great majority of those that came out and responded to that fire alarm. Eleven years old, one of the perpetrators was. In jail for the rest of their life as an eleven-year-old. Disobedient. Ungodly. I did, young people identify by having uh, having a rebellion against the authorities in their life, disobedient to parents, unthankful. I don't believe we live, we've ever lived in a more unthankful day. Amen. Unholy, without natural affection. You can put you can put uh, the, that natural affection as anything you're supposed to love that you don't. Amen. This day is supposed to be a day. And I don't care what the news media says. The Bible says that God created one man and one woman for one lifetime. Natural affection is a man toward a woman and a woman toward a man. Anything outside of that, it's not natural affection. That's right. right. That's right. Amen. We're right. talking about, you're talking about the, uh, abortion laws, and that's probably the biggest thing in politics today is the abortion laws. Do you know what the, the, probably the premier definition of an unnatural affection is? That a mom would kill their child voluntarily, willingly, decide, and not just choose to kill their own, but will stand on a street corner with a sign and try to give rights to every other mother to kill their children at will. That is the the epitome of un Natural affection—the most natural affection you can have—is is, is a mom loving that baby unconditionally. You can't you can't even put a you can't even put that on you can't even put a, that on a scale anywhere of how much love there's supposed to be there. Right. Right. The last days are days of unnatural affection. Truth breakers. People don't keep their word anymore. Right. There used to be a day where you could seal uh, you could seal a deal you could sell a house on a handshake. Yes, sir. Right. You can sell your vehicles on a handshake. You can do any business you wanted just by saying, I give you my word, I'm going to pay you right. yeah. or pay you for this. Mm-hmm. You can up anything you wanted to do to make that deal right. A handshake was good enough. Your word was good enough. Yeah. Not today. Right. It's sad that you've got, to, you've got to have we have people that have lawyers on speed dial for every little thing that happens in their we live in a day where nobody trusts anybody because you can't hardly trust anybody. That's right. That's why I thank God for the church. I thank God for this church. Now you can backstab me tomorrow and I can backstab you tomorrow. But as far as I know, we can trust each other in here. Amen. That's why the church is... Uh, having a good Bible-believing church full of believers today is such an anomaly in the world that we live in because the whole rest of the world is so so, uh, so dynamically different than what you experience in the church. This is supposed to be a place of heaven on earth. This is supposed to be a place where you get a little taste of heaven every time you come in the doors because your relationship with this crowd is so much different than your relationship with that crowd out there. Amen. 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 Truth breakers. Good. The Bible says false accusers. And, and we've, dealt, we've dealt with that in our churches in this day. People just say, tell a is on people. There's preachers lost their ministries because of false accusations. Yep. There's Christians that have lost their good name and good testimony because of false accusations. The Bible said it's a characteristic in the last days. Amen. He goes on in constant. They don't control themselves. Fierce, despisers of those that are good. The last days are days where people hate you just for being good. You know, I, I've faced this in my ministry and in, in my life. You do good things for people and it upsets them. I went up north for a little while and I was surprised how, how infuriated people got. If, if, if I were, and I try to do this with all of our ladies, but if I were to, uh, if, if Miss Caldwell were to ask me something to do something for her, I would address her and say, Yes, ma'am. When I was up there, do you know how that infuriated those people that we talked to? Somebody said something to me and I said, Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. No, sir. I'm talking about. I had men holler at me. Don't call me sir. That's something that's a good thing. How can you get mad at me for respecting you, honoring you, speaking lovingly toward you, giving you? I'm humbling myself, giving you a position of honor. People hate this. It's a characteristic of the last days. Hating things that are good. Yes, sir. And we're starting. I, I, I saw that there. But I've seen, I've seen it some in the last couple of weeks here. I was amazed that here in South Carolina even, in the bustle of the Bible, got people who are adapting that. Don't call me man. Don't call me sir. Don't address me as Mr. So-and-so or Mrs. So-and-so. It is a characteristic of the days that we're living in. These are dangerous, dangerous days. Traitors, heady, high-minded. Verse 4, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. I believe we see that every day. That's one of the reasons why we have several services. where this church is empty That's right. That's good preaching, right there. Yes, sir. We love pleasures more than we love God. Mm-hmm. We love the things out there when we love this. If you love, if you love God from here more than anything else in your life, guess what? You'll also love God's people, God's house, God's word, God's man. Amen. 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 We love pleasure. We love the things the world has. To, we love things that are convenient. We love things that please us that cause us uh, to be uh, to enjoy. Why would you endure preaching hard preaching? Uh, and a lot of times we come to church. I'll preach something to you that you may not enjoy, but you realize the Bible says that this sound doctrine is not meant to be enjoyed. It's meant to be endured. Yeah. Paul said that we would need to that in the last days. It would be a day, and to the next chapter, Second Timothy chapter number four, when they will not endure sound doctrine. Second Timothy four three. It's not meant to be enjoyed. It's meant to be endured. You know, what the best medicines I've ever taken in my life was a medicine that didn't good, taste good. But it was a medicine that helped me if I would just do this. Wow. Choke it down your hey. My mom put things in my mouth I knew didn't taste good. I ain't get grape flavored stuff. I got, I got, stuff. Exactly Amen. Right. I got some of that orange stuff. You can barely get it to pour out of the bottle. It's so thick and nasty. Amen. But guess what? When I put it in, it helped. Sometimes if you put sound every time. Let me say that. It's good medicine. Sound doctrine is the best medicine you can ever get. If you'll just, if you'll just endure it, yes, sir. choke it down. It'll help you. Yes, sir. amen. That's good. That's good. The Bible said, "You know, why? Why would you want to have it sound often? You have to endure, endure when you can go out into this world and do all kinds of things that you can enjoy." And That's right. It's because it's right. People don't have a concept of what's right and what's wrong anymore. Church is a good thing. Church is a right thing. Being more like Jesus is a good thing. But in the last days, amen. they would hate it. Let me hurry. The Bible says, "Verse number five: Having a form." Of God, just, just a facade, just an image of godliness, mm-hmm. but denying the power thereof. The Bible says that these, these, days are so da- so, these days are so dangerous, the aspects, the characteristics of these days are so dangerous. Paul, in the inspiration of God, told yeah. Timothy, he said, from such, turn away. It's so dangerous, Paul said, don't even have anything to do with it. Yeah. Turn your back on it and go another direction. Yeah. It's that dangerous. Yeah. Let, me, let me tell you this, and then we're, we're done with this statement. The the text tells us, testifies that this, this voyage was dangerous for them. The days that you and I are going about the voyage of our lives, the journey of our lives as we go day to day in this world, the days that we live in are already dangerous days. The Bible said it's perilous times in the last days. If it's already dangerous around us, why would you and I choose to walk out of the will of God and add danger to the dangerous days that we're already in. That's right. Making these dangerous days already even that even more dangerous than they already are on their own. We tell them we need to be careful with the decisions that we make. We need to make decisions based upon the counsel of God and not by what we see and what we feel, because the, the results of that are dangerous results. We'll look later on as we study this text, that they'll also, according to verse number 10, be damaging results. So the second voyage, it's a dangerous voyage. We'll be done with that this morning. I hope you'll be obedient to the message this morning. Thank you for making us part of your day. We would love to hear from you. Please find us on Facebook or at our website, bbclexington.com.